a lot of the work that I make is in towns that are really struggling. And I know that I don't show that with my photographs. You know, I think that people are maybe full up of photographs of struggling towns. And I also wonder whether it might take a little away from the dignity of the people in the towns. Well, all I'm basing this on is that I get notes very frequently from people in these towns, like, thank you for showing this place that means a lot to me, that my grandfather goes to breakfast all the time, that I got married at, you know, that my parents got married at. That's actually my, my biggest reward as far as making the work. They're just messages over Instagram, but they mean like really the world to me. They're, they're the greatest gifts that photography has given me, I think, so far. On this episode of The Contact Sheet, we're chatting with Leah Francis. Everyone, hope you are all doing well. Uh, really excited about this episode today, uh, featuring a photographer whose work I'm a really big fan of, and that is Leah Francis. And some of you may also know her page on Instagram, American Squares, which features some uh, really great kind of nostalgic uh, Americana style photography. So I actually only discovered Leah's work quite recently, uh, but I was instantly drawn to her images uh, and just the character that they have. And as I dove deeper into her portfolio, I became so impressed with her attention to detail and just her ability to transport the viewer uh, to a different time through her choice of subject matter, color, and then just composition choices. In this episode, we talk about Leah's portfolio, American Squares, her decision to pursue an MFA and how that has influenced her work so far, intuition versus planning a project, uh, and the importance of new challenges, as well as many other topics. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Leah's work, and it was just really great to sit down and have this conversation with her, and I hope you all enjoy it. So on that note, let's jump into things. Following your work for... Uh, only a short period of time because I just discovered it quite recently. Um, and then I discovered when I was doing research for this interview that you're from Canada. So you're Vancouver Island, but you live in Pennsylvania now. Yeah. So I am originally from, I was born on Cormoran Island, which is off the north coast of Vancouver Island in Alert Bay. And then I grew up mostly in Victoria. And we moved, well, I moved, sorry, to New York uh, like 15 years ago quite a long time oh wow and from there in 2018 i moved to pennsylvania so you've been in pennsylvania for two years now yeah um hard to believe what's the change been like it's a huge change (laughs) (laughs) we were living for like almost 10 years in um crown heights brooklyn which is an area of new york i adore um and you know my husband is a native of new york he geez, on his mother's side, it's like, I looked on one of those family tree ancestry sites and it was like six, seven generations New Yorker. They're, <laughs> they're those like Irish Brooklyn people that you make those movies about. And then um, his father's, you know, fourth generation New York. Actually, um, his, his great-grandfather was the first imam at the oldest mosque in North America, which is in Brooklyn. Oh, and wow. that's very off topic. But anyway, so he has very <laughs> deep roots in For Brooklyn. Sure. And, um, you know, it's just the economic changes there. Um, it became too expensive. We thought we might want to buy something and that's just not possible, um, for someone of average means. So 
We looked at Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, it's like 90 minutes outside of New York and Michael still works in, in New York city. So it, it, it works. Yeah. Nice. And what's, what's the change been like? Oh, it's very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, um, it's really nice to have our own place, something I've never had before. Uh, we still play, you know, we play music outside last night. It's like, is it too loud? And then I realized that we own the house and that's okay. Um, <laughs> no, but for me personally, you know, I've been photographing in Pennsylvania for quite a long time, almost since the beginning, something really drew me here. Um, really interested in the built environment and, and architecture as kind of an organizing feature of my photographs and that here has always drawn me um so being closer to that is great you know i can wake up in the morning i have a real fondness for a sort of the golden hour um so i can wake up and i don't have to get up at 3 a.m and leave new york city and get out which takes forever i can just drive you know a few minutes or an hour, depending where I want to be. Everything's way more accessible. It's way more accessible. Yeah. 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 Very Um, cool. Yeah. Um, So I'm curious with this, I want to dive into that a little bit more um, later in terms of your work in Pennsylvania and stuff like that. But uh, looking through your work on your Instagram, there's just like an immense amount of it. (laughs) Um, It goes back, uh, uh, for a long time, but there's this consistency to it, uh, and it looks like you've been creating this uh, type of work for quite some time. So, so kind of where did this all begin, uh, or I guess even where did your photography first begin? Yeah, I took a photography course in high school, which I adored. Like I absolutely was obsessed with it, and I spent every lunch hour in the dark room after school. My boyfriend never saw me. He actually got a full darkroom set up for his bathroom so that I would spend some time at his house. I I (laughs) built a darkroom in my basement. Like, it's pretty intense. And, you know, at the time, my teacher was like, you should probably go to school for this. Um, But for some reason, I guess, I don't know why. I mean, being from a small town, I know there are a lot of photographers from small towns, but I just didn't think that was, like, a possible career path. Like, that Mm. did not even occur to me that you could be a photographer. So I didn't go to school for it, and I completely dropped it. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I was an adult with a career. um, What I was doing and what I still do when I'm working is – look at color for publications. So I was working at the Wall Street Journal magazine and I would go into this light booth every day at noon and five and look at the work that comes in that we had commissioned, be it fashion or fine art photography or this kind of thing. And I kind of guess I have a really good eye supposedly for color and for going on press with images. So um, because of that, I had been looking at work by like Stephen Shore, William Eggleston, all this stuff like up close. It was, it was really incredible. Hmm. And, um, my interest in photography had never really waned. Um, but I think that that daily practice just sort of pushed over to the edge. And so, um, Stephen Shore did a fashion shoot for us, which is not something he does frequently. <laughs> Interesting to hear. Yeah. Those files came in and, um, I remember being told, you know, we, I haven't touched these at all. Like you guys can fix them up if you need to, you know, just, we only did stuff that you could do in a dark room, no retouching, but you know, any little things you need to do. And they came in and they were like luminous. The light was perfect. They were so inspiring. And Hmm. I bought a camera and started, I took a couple of continuing education courses at the ICP, like almost immediately after that. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting story. And <laughs> and so I want to dive into that a little bit more rough, yeah. like roughly how how long of a period, uh, say, from like high school when you stopped and you didn't pursue it. I, and you don't have to give me specific <laughs> numbers or anything, but that would be too specific. But, yeah, but it was it was a it was a substantial period of time. It was. Yeah. 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 We're and, talking from high school to sort of being an adult with a career. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason I'm I'm, I'm just curious about that is because uh, for me, um, I've been doing photography now for about 12 or 13 years and then video uh, kind of professionally, like as a career for the same amount of time. But when I first went to school for it back uh, back then, it was kind of right at that point where it was still like not a not a super common thing to pick. Right. Like if I right. say I picked a trade, which I originally was going to do or, or, or something more traditional uh that would have been viewed as a lot kind of more safe. But I think nowadays things have, uh, things have changed a little bit uh, in terms of how it's viewed. I think they have, but I think the funny thing is, is it, I mean, it's practically impossible to make it as a photographer now. Um, but it might've been easier to make it as a photographer before (laughs) (laughs) when it was the least (laughs) seen as a less safe choice. Um, you know, you had artists that could, make photos and uh, still afford somehow to pay their rent and this kind of thing. And now it's just such, I think it's a struggle for a lot of people unless you have some kind of financial backing, you know? Yeah. yeah, That's actually a really interesting thought. Um, I I think nowadays um, being a photographer professionally full-time looks a lot different than it did back then in terms of uh, maybe how many hats you wear and and the type of work you're doing and, you know, multi-skilled and, you know, doing things for all all, all mm-hmm. types of different, um, uh, maybe genres, or maybe you're doing video, maybe you're doing photography. So yeah, I think it's changed in, in yeah. many ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for you then, when you you said you went and did a couple continuing education courses right mm-hmm. away, but you didn't, you just like you're back in school now doing a master's, but that was quite recently. Yeah, I just finished my first year of my MFA. So I used to say that I was a self-taught photographer, but I suppose I can no longer say that. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah. this this body of work, though, this main body of work, mm-hmm. American Squares, that mm-hmm. a lot of people probably uh, would would know you for right now, mm-hmm. that was all created uh, before you went to school, correct? It was, absolutely. And it's funny, it's, um, I don't want to go, I don't know how far I want to go into this, but yeah, it's been really, it's been difficult, like being in school. I had never been exposed to the whole crit process or to defending my work or I made all of that work by myself. I made my own daily, I guess the, the arty word is practice. I made my practice. For sure. <laughs> I, uh, you know, um, I'm very self-motivated. I, I was pretty prolific with it. Um, and now I'm, I'm making much less work, like very little work and having to talk about this work I'm finding tricky. So yeah, it's. I think it's pretty common maybe to go to do an MFA and sort of tear things down and build them back up again. So I'm going through that process. But yeah, this all kind of came from from me outside of the art world, outside of the acad- academia. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's interesting to me because, uh, like I mentioned, for me, school happened really kind of at the start of my career almost. And so all of the work that I've been creating over the last, uh, you know, pretty long time has all like my decisions and my um my focus and my direction has all been kind of up to myself to do you know which is 
a good thing and a, an absolute bad thing at times, a struggle at times in terms of, uh, you know, knowing where to go next or knowing where to place your focus or your direction and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you've only been doing this uh, MFA for a short period of time, but I would imagine the dynamic is quite different in terms of uh, yeah. how it's affecting your work. Yeah, it's really causing me to second guess myself, I suppose. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I have not been making very much work, um, which is unusual for me. I think it will come around. I think I'm like stewing and brewing something. For sure. <laughs> something up. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading. I, you know, I, I listened to a little bit of, of some of your, your podcasts and maybe you're going to ask me this question, but um I noticed that a lot of people said that they sort of had an idea and would go out looking for it. Is that something, mm -hmm. something people said? Yeah. And, yeah. um, I have been trying not to do that <laughs> during this time, which is really tricky. Um, just to see if sort of like the camera and intuition can lead me towards something different. I struggled a little bit with it at first, the idea of making work that was very different than what I've been doing um, sure. for the MFA. But I, I think that's okay. And it could really um, stretch me and allow me to grow. So I'm continuing to do the American Squares work sort of for Instagram and for myself and because I love it. But then yep. this new work that I'm doing for school, I'm allowing to just sort of um, be more intuitive and kind of see where it goes. You know? Yeah, I, I really like that. And I think mm -hmm. it's... Uh, I think it's important. And uh, I, I think for me, I, I've certainly gotten attached to the work that I create the most of and what I'm really passionate about in these areas that I love and that are kind of special to me. But even, you know, after three or four years of focusing on that, as much as I could go, at, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, probably to these places and photograph them, I'm even now starting to, to feel like, okay, you know, whatever I work on next, I'm really interested in uh, exploring, just exploring it in a different way. I don't even know what it is, what, what next is, what that focus is going to be, but I just feel like uh, it needs to be different in a way. Yeah. And I, I think it's the approach that I'm looking at most because I don't know about other master's programs. Maybe they're all the same. Um, you have this like 15 credit review after your first semester where you show the work that you've made and you sort of talk about it and defend it. And then a 45 credit review after the third semester. So when we got to my 15 credit review, I was like really worried. And just before, you know, trying to make all this work and trying to think of what my direction was going to be and what my thesis was going to be. And then like bludgeon my work into that idea. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. This is not correct. <laughs> you know? Um, so I did a lot of reading and we're not on uh, video here, but uh, there is this book called Photo Work. 40 photographers on process and practice, which I hmm. cannot recommend enough. I mean, it just took my anxiety level down like crazy Interesting. going into this, you know, because I was surprised to read all of these, you know, wonderful, famous photographers like Latoya, Ruby Fraser, Robert Adams say again and again that, you know, they let the images guide their work. They hmm. let the camera guide their work. And so I had been trying to, you know, figure out some smart idea to, approach um that would sound good in grad school and then go out and get those pictures sure. and here i read these people that i really admire saying the opposite so you know that's where i'm coming from right now 
And I, and I, that sounds very comforting to me because I, I, it's, and I, I've talked about this a little bit on some episodes already, but, um, it's been something that's been my, on my mind for a while now, just, you know, how do I approach my next project? And I guess it's easy to look at like a finished body of work by someone, which is, you know, fully formed and think that there was this, um, you know, planning and direction behind it right from the start. And it's, it is comforting to hear that, you know, sometimes it's just that intuition that leads you and kind of takes shape, you know, as you create the work over a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still, I'm hoping it works out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the sounds of it for sure. <laughs> sounds like an approach that would fit me well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know what, that's what I love about having these conversations with other photographers, because it's really fascinating to kind of dig into that a little bit with other people and just like learn how, you know, other artists think, right? Because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. easy, you get in your own head and you think that maybe, uh, uh, you know, other people aren't kind of having these similar thoughts or, 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 or struggles that you are. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, I want to jump into your work a little bit. Mm-hmm. You started, I think I, I don't know if you told me this already or if I read it somewhere, but it was around like 2013. Yes. Yeah. With, yes. Yeah, so go ahead. Mm-hmm. And when, so like when you kind of jumped back into photography, did, was, did this kind of become your thing right away? Like you discovered this right away? Yeah. Um, so sort of as a person living in New York City, I moved there and I moved to Greenpoint. So I used to walk a lot around my neighborhood and, um, you know, Williamsburg was like not a thing yet. I don't, I don't know if you know about Williamsburg or not, but <laughs> it's like this big hipster enclave that was not even there. And um, so all of this, it was all getting like renovated and rebuilt. And I started to notice like all of these restaurants and bars popping up with this theme of like older America, like being built to look like seventies, like rec rooms or fifties gas station mm-hmm. restaurants or, or whatever. Cool. And um, <laughs> it, I guess, yeah, it was like really fascinating to me because I, I don't know if you agree, but because I, uh, I also haven't lived in Canada for a long time, but <clears throat> I didn't see that in Canada. Like, I don't think as Canadians, at least when I was there, that we have the same fascination with our past, you know? And we, at the time, at least that I left, uh, we were not building these kind of tributes to a particular time. I don't know if there's like a time in America that encapsulates, sorry, in Canada that encapsulates like our height (laughs) or whatever. But anyway, so I I became kind of fascinated like with what, um, what this, what was going on. So I guess like when I picked up a camera, I which was a long time after that. Like this was like 2005 Hmm. and I just thought it was interesting. I noted it. I kept seeing it and I started working at fashion magazines and I saw like there was this whole heritage look people were looking at. There was like fashion that was looking like the forties, the fifties, that kind of thing. Um, So when I got a camera, I just thought it might be something interesting to investigate. Um, So I almost, I guess you could say like like a visual archeologist. (laughs) I decided to go to the places that had the original artifacts from that time, like a diner that was actually from then and photograph it and see, I don't know, like just create an experience for myself of that time. And like for the viewer to like almost like a time capsule kind of experience. Hmm. Yeah. And, and was it like uh, fairly soon after you started creating this work, you knew like this is the work that you wanted to create. It just kind of came out. 
Yeah. I'll have to say. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, honestly, yeah. And I always think that when I say that, it'll take away somehow from like some feeling of effort. <laughs> But, you know, I got this camera, which was a pretty crappy camera at first. Um, and I went to visit a friend in LA and I walked from Silver Lake to Beverly Hills, um, which is, is like over eight miles. And there was this in search of this coffee shop called the Fountain Coffee Room, which is in the Beverly Hills Hotel. It's in the basement and it's from the 30s. And I photographed the whole way along Sunset Strip and I was like so interested and I got home and I was like proud of myself. Oh, this is really great. You know, it's like the first photos I ever took. Hmm. And then I found out that, um, is it Ed Ruscha who did like the 23 yep. scat? Yeah. No, yep. he did exactly the same thing, <laughs> like exactly the same photographs in his day. And so that was deflating anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm the reason I was curious about that is because I know, I mean, you talk to any photographer and everyone, I guess, differs, although it seems uh, more often than not, it's kind of this evolution for people where they dabble here, they dabble there, maybe they get tired of something, then they discover something else. Um, like for me, that's very much how it kind of came to be with the work on that now. But uh, yeah, it's really cool to see that, you know, you discovered this work kind of really uh, soon after you started and, and just dove right into it. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, as a Canadian trying to understand and get comfortable in the environment, I think I picked sort of like this imagery that is so well known and associated with America. You know? For sure. Just, just exploring like where it is that I live and, and how it's sort of like, I always talk about the idea of Americanness and this sort of bubble people carry around in their mind. And I, and it's not, true really but it's it's a picture that we got from movies yeah. from tv from growing up and i think you know people in europe probably have it people in japan yep. have it you know and so i just thought like what is this really like can we clear through it can we get to what's left of it can we look at it, it, it you know the real thing not the idea of it you know yeah i don't know how successful i've been with that but that's where i've been like I would, rooting I would around <laughs> You know? I, would, I would say very successful. And I also, you know, growing up on Vancouver Island and actually like sort of dips below where the natural border is. So I could see out my window to Port Angeles, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like my father is a major movie file. Like he, he watches the cinema all the time. So he watched like Mildred Pierce and all these older films a lot. And I think I got it in my head as a kid that like, over in Port Angeles, it looked like that. <laughs> it sure. looked like these yeah. old movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's something that's been with me since a very young age. Yeah. Hmm. But so this work, you were already living in the States when you started this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. In and it's, a, it's interesting. I mean, I think obviously our environments, like our daily environments, have a big influence on on the work we create. I think partially due to maybe accessibility in a way, right? What's close to us. And then also just what we're surrounded by visually on a daily basis. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, um, I'm trying to think of the earliest work I made, but I mean, still most of it was outside of New York city. I'd say I hmm. didn't feel terrifically inspired by New York city itself to make photographs. I love New York city, but, um, I didn't make a lot of work there. Sure. It was harder to find the kind of things I was looking for. Yeah. And that can yeah. be tough when you when you're living somewhere and you have to leave to go create. 
Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, right. So right now I'm, I'm doing my MFA in Philadelphia yep. and it doesn't look how I want my photos to look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Philly and it's super interesting and that could be another project, but, um, yeah. So I find myself going home. So I have a studio apartment in Philadelphia and we have our house in Easton and I'm living in Philly during the year. It's, it's really a little bit awkward. Um, so I only go home about one weekend a month and that's when I've been making my work, which is tough too. And I think that's what slowed me down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've been here for the past, uh, three months. I'm actually going back to Canada in a week, mm-hmm. but, um, it's been weird for me, like a, a complete 180 from the environments I'm used to photographing and what really kind of captures my attention. And, you know, I've been, I've been going out a lot. I mean, just within the circumstances of what's going on, but for walks and exploring and trying to photograph. And it's just like, I'm like trying to force this like (laughs) creative energy, but it's not, it's not coming. But, um, but you had, was it, how do you say his last name? Ian, is it Howarth or Howarth? Howarth. Howarth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his work is beautiful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then is it, how do you, is it Neil McDermott or is it Nile. Uh, um, I think it might be. Uh, I, actually, I'm not too sure. I, mean, I just, I, I just um, discovered his work as well. Oh so yeah. Not... So I have his most recent book. It is beautiful, and the color in it is is really. I've spent actually a bit of time in the UK, and um, the color in it is unexpected to me. It's it's very it's a like a very bright and bold palette and not what I expect from, from where he's photographing. So you can do it. <laughs> for, for sure. And, and yeah. it's funny, uh, like Ian's work has been, a, uh, I keep going back to it ever since I've been in this environment because mm-hmm. um, it's been, uh, you know, it's really kind of appealing and attractive to me. And it yeah. gives me this kind of uh, little bit of direction. And I mean, obviously, um, it's been tough to go out and explore with, you know, the recent kind of events that have been going on and stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah. A- anyways, interesting, uh, nonetheless. But so this work kind of was created from around 2013 up until the end of last year. That's when you yeah. you released the book. Yeah, and I, you know, there are pictures in that book from maybe like two days before I went to press. I think <laughs> I, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, design it myself and you know export the PDF and everything. So I oh, wow. I could like you know change it around pretty much towards the end. Yeah. You're like, hang on, I'm switching it again. <laughs> I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really, they let me basically do what I wanted, which was, which was cool. Um, I do have a, like a associate's degree in design and I have been an art director professionally and that kind of thing. So, so you know what you're doing. Well, I, I wouldn't go, I'm not amazing <laughs> at it, um, but I can use it in design. Yeah. To the, you know, it was a very simple design. I could drop a picture into the square. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you, um, obviously assembled this I, I think i read on your website it was like 63 images went into the book correct yeah something like yeah. that um so like i'm always curious when i see that and then i see that you've you know you were creating this work for uh, like five six years or something how, how did like how did that process come together where did you even know where to start in terms of curating and sequencing something like that yeah so <laughs> it's really crazy I'm again, I'm going to hold something up, which no one can see, but maybe you can describe. So this is like, um, I guess it maybe doesn't look that impressive, but this is like 947 pictures. Wow. That's um, a lot of images. And you can see behind me too, that I have a wall covered in images. I think you can see. Um, yeah. So what happened was I 
had never um, shown my work to anybody at all, really. And in, I think it was the end of 2016, I went to um, Photo NOLA. It's like okay. a portfolio review in New Orleans. And um, that really caused me, I think that portfolio reviews are great because they cause you to like hunker down and have to create like a, like 20 images from all yeah. of the hundreds or thousands in my case of images that you have. So I did that and that kind of, and actually I didn't do that. What I did was make three. So I had 60 images and I showed um, 20 they were like grouped in certain ways. And so I would show one to one photo editor, one to the next, one to the next and sort of cycle through them because I couldn't get it down to 20. So from those 60 images in 2016, I kind of, and that took me forever. It took me months. I printed out almost everything I had ever posted to Tumblr, posted to Instagram and created those 60 images. And then from there, I sort of added and subtracted this whole time, you know, mm it kind of became the foundation. And I, I actually would be interested to look back at those and see what ended up in the book. I haven't done that, but um, it was sort of like a, the skeleton of, of where I went. Um, Cause you get, you get attached to images, right? You get so, do. you do. And that yeah. is something I discovered, which I didn't know. So I think I love sequencing. I knew that. Um, and for the good of a sequence, I will throw out a, my favorite photo ever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you, I don't know if you can put together your 63 favorite photographs and have a book work. I think it is 63 photographs that tell a story together and that um, transition well together and that, you know, that work together. And there might be some images you're super attached to that just, you can't find a place amongst those images. So. Yeah. And I, th I think that's really important to understand too, um, because especially um, you know, nowadays with just say, if you just post your work online or something, right, it can be easy to just post, uh, look at images from like an individual sense where it's like, yeah. you know, I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. And, uh, maybe they're, maybe they're getting, um, maybe they're popular, right? Because maybe they are good images on their own, but then you go to put something together and it's like, you realize the importance of sequencing and, and, images that maybe might not be your favorite, but that are so important to tie things together. Yeah. And then there are like some images that give sort of visual space or give you a breather. Yep. There's all these, there's rhythm in it. There's so much more to it, you know, than like you said, just your most popular photographs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's some, I think it's a really good thing that people can do, even mm -hmm. if that's like, you know, sequencing work for your website. I mean, yeah. I think there's lessons in all of it. Yeah. Or create a zine. You know, I've made zines before I did this. I didn't really advertise them. It was a while ago, but that would, I think, helped me learn a little bit. But as it goes, you know, I still have these 950 photos that are not in the book. <laughs> and those from those, I mean, I think I would like to go back through my catalogs again, and I probably have another thousand or so that I like. So wow. uh, I might do another book, you know, maybe. It's going to be American Squares, Volume 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, <laughs> 6, 7, and 8. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels sad that, you know, to have just these all these pictures and not do anything with them. I, I don't know. We'll see. 
Yeah. Well, you have you have this immense kind of body of work. And I mean, just from what I've been exposed to scrolling through it on your Instagram feed, I mean, it's incredible. And there's, you know, so much good work in there. So uh, I can only imagine it's not even my work either. Right. So I can imagine if this was my work and, you know, getting attached to certain things and trying, yeah. to, trying to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> Thanks. No, but, you know, it was super cool. I don't know. Um, it was like a really small thing, but um do you know Noah Waldeck from Subjectively Objective? I do. Yeah, we were all? just chatting the other day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's so cool. I love him. He and um, so I, well, one thing aside from what I was going to say is that when I first got on Instagram, you know, I had like almost no followers and Noah found me. And I, I always wonder, you know, if someone has you do a takeover of their page, if it's just because you're popular or if it's because your work is good. Sure. Noah just really likes the work that he likes and he's such a yep. down to earth guy. So he had me do a takeover of subjectively objective when I had, you know, no likes and no followers. And I thought that was really great. And because of that, I sort of um, got to know a lot of the people that I know now on Instagram through him. So I'll always be grateful for that. But anyway, uh, recently he did um, two monographs of my work. Uh, issue 26 and 27 and he actually I gifted him with those 947 files <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that because I saw I, I saw your post and and then when I read about um, uh, American squares and the fact that you sequenced it yourself and then yeah. you, I saw that you obviously released these monographs recently and he was the one who got to uh, yeah <laughs> I mean those together he, what, so what, what was that like well that's his thing and um, so when he when you do a takeover for him you actually don't really do it. What he does is he chooses the photos and he posts them, which is unique in my experience. And so mm -hmm. in this case, he said, give me everything you've got, Like, give me everything <laughs> you can give me. So I spent a little time and I came up with those, but it's not nearly probably a third of what I actually have. And I like, I couldn't even get them through WeTransfer. I had to, they were so big. I had to mail him like a little thumb drive. <laughs> Oh, and he looked through them. So it, it's interesting to me, you know, he chose some photos that I'd never published anywhere. Like I didn't really think they were good enough for whatever. And mm -hmm. um, he sequenced them. So they're completely curated by him and sequenced by him. I had nothing to do with it. So it, like, you know, um, really interesting to see what someone else does with your work. Yeah, that's really appealing to me in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, possibly because I'm just scared of trying to assemble my work into, you know, 60 images or whatever it is. Yeah. But also just to see like, well, well like mm -hmm. you said, you know, what images would someone else pick mm -hmm. that maybe I would I would kind of disregard or look over? Yeah. Um, and how would it come together? Because I know even from, uh, say, like sequencing my work for my website, um, maybe I'm just super indecisive, but it's like the most daunting, indecisive uh, effort ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm super controlling about that. <laughs> like my Instagram, I don't know if anyone ever notices this, but, um, so when I post, I post three at a time and I post hmm. an interior an exterior and a car and they never, there's never a car on top of a car in the grid. There's never Hopefully it's messed up right now because not messed up, but for good reason, I posted a black square today. So they sure. all shifted over. Yeah. Um, but so I plan that thing out, like sometimes a couple of months ahead. I can notice it already just looking <laughs> at it quickly right now. Yeah. It's impressive. It was, you know, really, you know, I was in a, my own little world. Like I didn't, I didn't have any friends taking photographs. I didn't know anybody who took photographs. I was just doing my thing. So that to me was sort of like my gallery wall. So I put a lot of effort into it and yeah, anyway, so 
all that sequencing and stuff I've always done. And with my book, I, you know, I did it myself. So anyway, I've always done that. So handing it over to somebody else was an interesting thing. And um, I'm very comfortable editing my own work, but I thought it would probably be something that I would learn from. And I did. So it was cool. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's, that's good. And I mean, it's always these stepping outside of our, our norms or our yeah. comfort zones, right? That yeah. I think is important because at least in my experience, like I'm, I'm becoming more aware of it as I get older and, and do this more. But now I catch myself a lot quicker when I'm starting to, um, starting to kind of get like repetitive in my, in my actions and just become very comfortable with how I'm doing things. Mm -hmm. And not to say like, uh, I, I'm thinking of like blowing things up, but just to like, you know, every now and then, to, you know, try something different, take a different approach or, or maybe yeah. work something like that. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the interiors uh, of your images and there's something that really kind of grabbed me uh, quickly when I, when I first kind of found your work and have certainly um, made me think a lot about things moving forward for, for future work I create. Um, what, so like what attracts you to these interiors? Like were these something that kind of came about right from the start? Yeah. And I was really afraid to photograph inside too it, i find it um still makes my heart race a little bit um so i don't know i'm just really interested uh one thing i photograph a lot of are diners and you probably know this but um what's considered a real diner is actually like a manufactured space they're created um on an assembly line and then they're put together um in the space where they they will be um and they're numbered it'll be like Silk City Diner number 5203 is the third diner created in 1952. So these things mm -hmm. are assembled in a factory and um, come out very much the same as each other. So, I, and I'm very interested in the human imprint on them since that time. So I love to, in, that I feel that photographs of the interior spaces sort of tell the story of all the humans that have passed through there and of the owners that have put their personal stamp on it. There's like, you yeah. know, the elbow marks on the diner counter or the, yeah. the footprints under the barber chair and, and that kind of thing. So even though they're kind of generally unpeopled spaces, they are in every way like peopled with all the people that have been there throughout time kind of thing. Yeah, no, there's yeah. absolutely there's a lot of depth to them. And yeah. even though they're these uh, empty spaces in a sense that there's no no humans in them. But yeah. Um, you know, I can even picture things in my head right now when I think of that, right? Like the worn out, you know, tabletops and stuff where mm -hmm. elbows were and yeah. and worn out seats and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're really, really, uh, really, really impressive. Thank yeah. you. But I don't ask permission because, I don't know, I, I try to, you know, I never pose anything. I never move anything. So, yep. you know, it can be a little tricky to like pop your camera out super fast and take that For photograph. Sure. I know my intentions are good, so I, I hope that nobody minds, but, um, yeah. And so all of your work, um, there's just this like incredible attention to detail to, to exclude anything that is, doesn't fit the kind of period of the, the main subjects in the piece. And they almost, I mean, they look like they're from a, from a different time because you've done such a good job doing that. And it, was that also something that just, you know, kind of, uh, happened naturally? Yeah. Um, it's so hard to talk about this without getting into politics and I, and I don't want to, <laughs> um, you know, but I think again, like I was trying to explore this idea people have of America and this was, I started a long time ago before things became this sort of hotbed that they are now. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
I don't know, these images, I think, have different people respond to them differently. But the idea was, you know, that this image sure is out there. Um, it needs to be explored. It needs to be questioned, perhaps. Um, or, you know, it could be questioned. I'd like to leave this very, very, very open-ended. <laughs> but, sure. um, you know, I don't think that going back to the past is necessarily the right route for us right now. So I tried to create this like static frame, this portal where you could maybe explore the idea, but the, but then also that the modern as much as possible doesn't exist. So you, you can't go back. You can't go back. There's no, we shouldn't go back. There's no point in going back. It's a, uh, it's a complicated thing. It's become much, much, much more complicated, um, you know, in the last four years and, you know, I just like to leave it very open-ended, but for yeah. sure. Yeah. Just exploring that idea and trying to show that there really is or no real through way to that. And it's funny because, you know, the time that I'm photographing was very much a time of like invention and experimentation and going mm -hmm. to the moon and building the biggest cars and like so much forward moving progression. And the yeah. idea of looking back and thinking we should go back there maybe is not what they'd be surprised. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know another thing that, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I, I would love to just uh, get uh, kind of your thoughts on it. Um, you know, I look at someone like Stephen Shore's. Uh, his work has been a, a huge kind of influence on me since mm -hmm. since I've started. And then you know, I look at um, I look at your work where you're you know creating these scenes current day that look like they're from a different time and. And I sometimes I'll, I'll think of Stephen Shore's work and I'll think, um, you know, that he was photographing these scenes when they were current time. And then I try and, you know, think about that. I put, put myself in that position now, right? Say if I went to photograph the local grocery store with like a brand new Kia in the parking lot or something like, you know what I mean? Like, did things did things actually just look um, more unique and and more interesting back then? Or do they look this way to us now because they're... 40, 50, 60 years old? I think it's a little bit of both, you know, because yeah. obviously I think cars, cars were so much nicer than to me anyway, yeah. cooler, more yeah. colors, more, more unique. Um, I think about that exact question all the time, like, yeah. because I'll set up, I'm really particular about the interiors and excluding the modern day for the most part, as much as I can, but in an exterior shot of like, um, the built environment, sometimes I'll let things creep in and then there'll be that ugly white minivan. Or whatever. <laughs> and I'll think, you know, in Stephen Shore's day, it wouldn't have looked like that. Yeah. Um, it, that just being curious about that. Cause sometimes I'll think like it takes on a whole different, um, like there's this natural attraction to these scenes at a very kind of surface level, right? Because right. these signs and these, these, you know, uh, vehicles do look really interesting and there's a lot of potential there. And then it, it obviously goes deeper than that. So I try and think like if I were to, to try and, you know, photograph in a similar style current day, it just seems like it would be such a challenge because everything is very kind of boring to me from a aesthetic. It standpoint. is. Yeah. I mean, I think that my work, like I said, I need to, one of the reasons I went to grad school is because I have a very difficult time talking about any kind of theory or like so do I. thing point <laughs> behind my work, but yeah. I mentally know what it is, but I can't get it out. But yeah, definitely trying to explore this idea of America. So that idea of America that people carry around looks like it's from the past. So making mm -hmm. these images, I think in the current day and making them look like they're from the past 
people think, um, oh, you're just trying to copy Stephen Shore. But I actually, I mean, I'm not saying I'm so great, but I think it's a different thing. I think making mm -hmm. this work in the current day when this fascination with the past has blown up for sure is a different thing than taking these photographs during the time. It's a very intentional thing. Like the photographs are, are made, you know, by composition, by um, excluding certain things, by blowing out the, maybe the backdrops or the windows so that you can't see outside. There's all kinds of things that I do to create this work. So it's made with intention. And so I think in that way, it is a little bit different. And I, I would agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, visually, sure, there's like, there's similarities, but I think uh, create, you know, creating this work now compared to 40 years ago or, or 50 years ago is the, the, the approach is com very different. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's slightly, uh, what's the word topical, but I don't like to talk about that part of it. So it's tricky, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway. And, and then when it comes to, so obviously your, your Instagram, uh, handle is American squares. The, uh, title of the book is American squares and the, the, the portfolio. Um, and then obviously all of the compositions are, are square yeah. format. And is that something as, as well that just kind of started right from the, yeah, right from the I beginning? mean, I, uh, I, when I took photography in, in high school, I had a 35 millimeter camera that I think was my brother-in-law's, but then my teacher lent me what I think was like a, a Chica TLR. And I just like really, um, just, it just worked for me seeing that way. And so, oh. yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I can't say that outside of my job, I looked at a ton of photography between that time and when I started making work again, but I, so I just like remembered, oh, I like that format. Mm -hmm. um, so when I bought a, a camera, I actually bought a digital camera, but I intentionally bought one that you could um, compose in like the one, one aspect ratio in the square aspect ratio. Okay. And this was, I was not even, um, I wasn't very cool. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't aware of Instagram. I, you know, um, it was just because I liked the ratio. So yeah. when, and then when I heard about Instagram, I thought, oh, that's only for people who take photos with their phone which wasn't true, I guess. Um, but when I finally came around to using Instagram, it was like great that I had all these square formats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Happy accident. It was completely. And then the name, I thought, well, why isn't that taken? You know? Yeah. It, it seemed like a really good name to me. So sure. I, um, and I think, I, don't, I can't remember how far back my Instagram goes. 2015, 2016. I don't know. It didn't say it didn't say dates for me. It just said like two hundred and forty eight right. weeks or something. <laughs> yeah, because I actually started on Tumblr. I went, okay. I went to Tumblr first, so I took a, a first class at the ICP, and I immediately like wanted to put them somewhere. So I put them on Tumblr, and um, that was great. And I still have more followers on Tumblr than I ever have on Instagram. It's funny, but uh, no this, it's, it's like it's crickets out there, though I have to say, and I don't post there anymore. Um, yeah. And then I went and, to Instagram and squares worked. Nice. And then, so with this body of work, um, releasing the book last year, like what led you to that point? Like when did you, uh, or like, you know, why did you feel like you were, you were kind of, or are you done with it? I shouldn't even say, why did you feel like you're done? But I mean, I just think when, I guess I just assume when someone releases yeah. a book that it's kind of like they're finished that body of work. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I made the book, because I just wanted to get something out there. I love books and I love sequencing, like I said, and it just seemed like a natural step. Um, I had met somebody through Instagram who gave me this like fantastic pet 
talk and that her name is Sasha Wolf. Um, she had had a gallery in New York called the Sasha Wolf gallery. And it was my favorite gallery in New York city. Um, and I was like shocked and amazed when we started chatting over Instagram and she actually had me over and like look through my work and talk to me. And she kind of helped me, um, set goals for myself. And mm. one of the goals, one of the goals was to get something in the New York times, uh, <laughs> and to approach somebody about doing that. And, um, one of the goals was perhaps to make a book of the work because it seemed like maybe there might be enough, um, work to make a book. So, yeah. So she actually helped hook me up with the, with that, with the book and everything. So I am forever grateful to Sasha. Yeah. And, um, I don't think I am finished though with this work funnily enough. I don't know. I really have a deep like affection for Pennsylvania in particular because I live here. I'm not saying like, I don't know all of America at all. Sure. Um, probably have an affection for many more places if I spent more time there. No, I mean, part of me is like, maybe I'll move back to Canada or something and then this won't happen. But part of me sort of wonders about living here forever and just taking these photos. <laughs> like, I wonder what would happen if I took these photos for 30 years, like what, what that would look like. You know, I look at like someone like not at all comparing myself to his immense talent and <clears throat> et cetera, but like Kristen Berry or something like photographing that same space over the years. Like, what would that look like if I did that here? Yeah. And I think it's amazing that you have an attraction to the place that you live that that's that deep. Because um, mm -hmm. I yeah, I think that's at least for for me, that's something I haven't experienced. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm always traveling quite far to these places that interest me, which is part of, uh, you know, part of the enjoyment for mm -hmm. me. But um, I think it's it's really neat that you um, you have such an interest and an affection for this this area where you live. Yeah. I mean, again, not to go too deep into this, but like Pennsylvania is a very complicated place. So mm -hmm. I have like, I guess, an empathy and a, um, a desire to understand the place like sure. what it is, what it is more than anything. And um, I think it probably needs to be said that uh, a lot of the work that I make is in towns that are really struggling. Mm -hmm. And I know that I don't show that with my photographs and that's tricky. Um, you know, I think that people are maybe full up of photographs of struggling towns. And I also wonder whether it might take a little away from the dignity of the people in the towns. Um, what I get, well, all I'm basing this on is that I get notes constantly, not constantly, but very frequently from people in these towns. Like, thank you mm -hmm. for showing this place that means a lot to me, that my grandfather goes to breakfast all the time, that I got married at, or you know, that my parents got married at, or, you know, this place that, you know, I try to find the places that are, um, still in a good, sh in good repair, you know, mm. and you may, you may not be able to tell that the town is, is struggling. So I think that that's something that people can be proud of. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's important. And it, it is, you know, you spend enough time in these places photographing them and you do, I mean, you're, you're immersed in these environments, right? And you, you, you do end up like I, I when I'm on the road, I think all the time about these places that I'm spending time in and that I'm photographing and what attracts me to them and and what my work is saying about them, because obviously my intentions are are always good. But, um, yeah, as you do kind of get deeper into it and you think, OK, you know, I'm putting this collection of work out there and what is it what's it portraying or what's it saying? So I think that's uh, 
I think your work is is showcasing these places uh, in a, in an important way. After hearing you talk about uh, you know even very personal messages you're getting from people um, telling you about how how much yeah. those images mean to them. That's such my my biggest reward as far as making mm-hmm. the work. To tell you the truth, I have a real. Um, yeah, it gives it gives me so much the attachment and sort of the relationships, as you know. Not, I don't want to say they're shallow, but like the, they're just messages over Instagram. But they mean like really the world to me. They're they're the greatest gifts that photography has given me. I think so far. So I think that's a I think that's ama- <laughs> amazing that you've uh, that you've um, kind of realized that and have that. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. really nice. Um, yeah, it's something that I. Like the last thing I, I mean, I, I photograph a lot, lot out on like Route 66 and mm-hmm. in the West and stuff. And, you know, the last thing I ever want people to think with my work is that I'm, you know, essentially using these places um, just to create an image that's attractive yeah. uh, or, or interesting to people. So the more time I spend out there, just naturally, the more interested I become in the history and, and mm-hmm. you know, why these places have ended up um, in the situations that they're in and, and then trying to, you know, find a way... Uh, in my work that I can, you know, um, maybe find some importance with, with what I'm doing. And it's kind of a work in progress. Yeah, it's really difficult. Um, that's something I've always struggled with. Um, like I lived in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, as I said, for a decade. And I think I took one photograph there, at least that's hmm. in my book, because I felt like maybe that wasn't my story to tell. Sure. Um, and, but now that I live in Pennsylvania, and to tell you the truth, I live in a neighborhood that's really struggling you know, so mm-hmm. I live here. Um, so I hope it's okay. I have differing thoughts from time to time about um, sort of landing in a place and taking picturesque photos of a place that's struggling, you know, if yeah. you don't, don't have an attachment to it. On the one hand, it could get a message out that's helpful. On the other hand, it's aesthetically beautiful. And I, I love the book itself. <laughs> but yeah. For me personally, I struggle with it. I don't condemn other people <clears throat> that do it. I just... I've always um, struggled with that. Yeah, no, yeah. I could see that. I could yeah. see that for yeah. sure. I could relate. Um, so, what's next then for you? Uh, you made so you made this decision to go to school, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and I guess uh, I mean we chatted a little bit about that at the start, but I guess it's very much just uh, discovery at at this point, right? Yeah. Where things go. Yeah, I feel like it's funny. It's really hard. I mean, I didn't expect it to be so hard. <laughs> I've had some pretty decent jobs that have a lot of responsibility and I find art school to be harder than anything I've ever done before. Hmm. I think cause it's so personal, maybe, um, sure. so personal and, uh, the reading, like I, I really hadn't read, um, the art theory and the, the yeah. criticism. It's like dense as heck. And I'm, I'm always the first to admit, like, I don't understand this. <laughs> we'll go, you know, we'll meet as a group. Um, uh, in our seminar classes and yeah I'm always the person like I didn't I don't get it like and I'll bring out the passages but I, I think I'm, I'm hoping that it helps to enliven the debate and discussion that I admit my own ignorance but um yeah so school has been eye-opening I will create like a body of work for a thesis I don't know if it's going to be something that I show publicly or not because I don't really know what it is yet which is worrying. It's really worrying me because we only have a year left. It felt like it was going to be such a long time. And it actually now feels like really, really short. goes by quick. It goes by so quick. Yeah. But I hope that like the things I'm learning will inform my work going forward for sure. I mean, they, they have to. 
Yeah, oh, I, I think they will. And I'm personally, I'm ex like I said, I've I've only been exposed to your work for a short period of time, and I'm like I've been digesting it pretty heavy over the last little bit, and I and I I love it. It's great. Thank you. But uh, yeah, it's been interesting to learn kind of where you're at, and I'm excited to see where things go from here. Thank you. Yeah. And so your uh, the book was sold out, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then your monograph sold out as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to buy any of your work, they can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I have prints for sale on my site, but, you know, yeah. But And and where's the best uh, place if people want to see your work? Well, Instagram, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I do have a website. It's it's leah-francis.com uh, because leahfrancis.com was bought up by somebody and I'd need to pay a lot of money to get that site for some reason. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, that link's on my Instagram page. Awesome. And your Instagram <laughs> handle is American Squares. It is American Squares, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Leah, this was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so thanks. good talking to you. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, uh, it was great to kind of dive into things a little bit behind your work. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm excited to see where things go. Thank you. Okay, thanks for joining me. Okay, okay bye. So as always, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure many of you were already familiar with Leah's work before listening to this, but if you aren't, uh, definitely take the time to visit her website and also jump over to Instagram and check it out. As mentioned, uh, unfortunately, her book, American Squares, is sold out, but I know that I will certainly be first in line if there's a reprint or a volume two released. Just want to say thanks again to all of you for listening, uh, for the reviews, ratings, messages, uh, just all of the support. Uh, really, there's nothing better for me uh, than just hearing that people are connecting with these conversations. It really does mean a lot. Uh, if you haven't yet and you can spare a couple of minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you just jumped over to your podcast platform of choice and left a review for the show. Uh, it really, really does help get it out there in front of more people. So just want to say thanks again, and we will talk to you all soon.